Welcome to Minified, a podcast about web dev and tech news that piqued my interest. I'm your host, Richard, and I'm looking forward to this episode. 0.68.0 is going to be a very special update for React Native that is coming our way this year. The reason for that is that, as Meta promised, the year 2022 is the year of the new RN architecture going open source and into our hands to try out. There are obviously some challenges that come bundled with it, so let's have a brief overview on what the new architecture actually means for us, what obstacles the community has to tackle to make it work, and also what the process behind the scenes of such an update looks like. The core of the new architecture is a new rendering system for React Native called Fabric. The core principles of Fabric include moving more of the rendering logic to C++, improving interoperability with iOS, Android, and Windows, while unlocking new capabilities. So, in a nutshell, better performance, better end results, and new stuff. The holy trinity of progress. Under Fiber, the React Native layout is no longer asynchronous, which means the jump of the layout should be eliminated. On top of that, the new renderer supports multi-priority and synchronous events and can prioritize certain important user interactions. We will also get support for the new React Suspense and React's concurrent features. And on top of all that, since the new renderer is shared among platforms, it will make it easier to adapt even brand new platforms and make working with React Native more consistent in general between new and existing platforms. What? No Android being the Internet Explorer of React Native? Well, most likely no, but definitely a step in that direction, which is excellent. This description only scratches the surface of what the internals of the new renderer are all about, and I might even do a special Minified episode focused solely on this topic somewhere down the line. The React Native New Architecture Working Group on GitHub is a discussion-only repository that the RN team has created to help coordinate and support the rollout of the new architecture across the ecosystem. For the sake of transparency, it is open to read to anybody and consists of devs from Meta, React Native experts, third-party libraries maintainers, and anyone else in between. You can also apply to join the discussion and get a right access if you feel like you need to get something off your chest regarding the new architecture. So, how do we actually go about migration once the time comes? Well, there are several hurdles that we should be concerned with when it comes down to it. The Migration Guide, formerly known as the Playbook, is a very helpful resource where you can find various guides on how to create a custom fabric component or how to set up a turbo module. Obviously, part of it is also a migration guide that can help you with adapting your existing app or library for the new architecture. Speaking of libraries, this is one of my biggest concerns for the future of the new architecture. 0.68 would include an opt-in switch for the new architecture, but will most likely have to wait a while in certain use cases, because even though we might feel ready for it, the open source community might be lagging behind. One of the big things for React Native is the community that it has created, and since the new architecture is a really big rewrite to the internals, some of the libraries that you might be using need to be ported to it as well. Luckily, Meta has some plans to alleviate this pain. First and foremost, React Native will keep supporting the old architecture in new releases, and over the next months, 
they will focus on supporting library developers with their migration process. If you were previously thinking, there is nothing constructive you could add to the discussion or at the new architecture working group, think again. If there is a library that you are using in your app and would love to see ported, you can post a message to the third-party libraries updates and request discussion, and if the maintainers identify your submission as a blocker for a number of users, they actually plan to reach out to the developers of such libraries and help push the migration process forward. Chrome 100 is here with some pretty neat updates, so let's talk about what this means for the DevTools in this sort of an anniversary version. For all you CSS debuggers out there, you can now view and edit Add Supports rules that provides you with the ability to experiment with these on the fly, and even more magic I can trick my girlfriend with into thinking I can edit any website on the internet with just a couple of clicks. We get a bunch of updates to the recorder functionality that now automatically prefers common selectors that are used and test automations instead of ID or class attributes. And if you're not using these, you can now customize the selector attribute of a recording. You can also rename a recording now, which uh, for some reason wasn't a thing up until now. In terms of some smaller updates, hovering over a class or a function in the sources panel during debugging now previews its properties instead of just showing the function name and a link to its location. There is also a new frame category in the performance panel called partially presented frames, which are here to indicate content that hasn't been presented timely in the frame, but does not block visual updates altogether. The sources panel now correctly displays scope variable names when debugging with source maps instead of displaying minified variable names. If you can't wait for the public release of the 100th edition of Chrome, make sure to download one of the preview channels and start using it right away. For me, Prettier is a must-have tool and I am confident that it's the same way for a lot of you guys out there as well. I will most likely always remember the first time I read about it in a tweet from Ken Wheeler. Prettier is a tool that made itself the staple instantly after arrival and I am super happy it did as it's one of those things that you might think you don't actually need but it turns out to be one of the best things that has ever happened to you. The team behind this opinionated code formatter has blessed us with an update that brings some interesting new stuff. This release includes something special and that is a new option for formatting your code. Now, why is this so special? Well, as I mentioned before, Prettier is opinionated, which basically means it's not here to format your code in a super configurable way. Instead, it's here to print your code the way it likes and in a process, stop the ongoing bike shedding over code styles. For this update, Prettier breaks their option philosophy and adds a new single attribute per line option for JSX, HTML, and views SFC templates. Having one attribute per line is something that the legendary Airbnb's JavaScript style guide recommends, and a lot of users were asking for this feature in Prettier as well, so the devs decided to go ahead and add it back in. Fun fact, the pull request for this feature was actually opened back in October of 2019. In other news, the version of TypeScript that Prettier uses to parse TS code is bumped up to 4.6 and end-of-line comments after if statements without blocks are now properly preserved. Inline await expressions in JSX are now inline if their argument would be inlined 
and we can now use Acorn, a small JavaScript-based JavaScript parser, as our parser. There are tons of other updates and fixes for TypeScript, for Flow, for many other, and all across the board, but I believe these things, as you witnessed before, are hard to comprehend when listening to them, and a much better way to learn about it is to go read the article. So make sure to check the link in the description that will guide you to the full release notes if you're interested. Prettier has also started accepting donations via Open Collective back in May of 2019, and it has begun paying the maintainers out of these funds. Cool stuff! Thanks for tuning in to Minified. If you like what I do, the best way to support me is to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast and share it with your friends and colleagues. Catch you later!